On this episode, we discuss Zarkor, the Invader. From Mars? No, just the Invader. Oh, okay. Don't worry, we hadn't heard of it either. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey, Dan. It's me, Stuart Wellington. And over here in Los Angeles, it's Elliot Kalen, living in a different time zone, which occasionally causes scheduling problems. But you know what? We're three friends who pull together through thick and thin, so we get over it. Like, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time when Stuart was uh-huh. late for his own wedding? And oh boy, we had to drive uh-huh. him cross country in only seventeen hours to get him there, and it was crazy. And that song ba 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 da 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 was playing the entire time. Do you yeah. guys do you guys remember the time that uh, the pharaoh wanted to entertain his queen? So this like kind of <laughs> rapscallion character showed up at court. I think he like morphed out of a pile of sand. And then, he's, and then he sang I do a song. Remember that time? <laughs> and then he sang a song about like being in love with the queen, and you're oh, like, what? I get what's that going was crazy. On. I feel like Elliot bringing up our scheduling difficulties now is him like laying the groundwork so I'm not mad at him later when we try and hash, <laughs> oh. out, hash out how we're going to schedule things. Um, yeah, I mean, little does he know that that's making Dan even more angry. <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, it does, remember that, it does remind me of that time when, similarly, the pharaoh asked me to sing a song and entertain his bride, and I sang a song about how I was in love with the bride uh-huh. and then i was and then they were like yeah michael jackson just sang that song yesterday and i was like what <laughs> yeah um yeah, yeah your eyes popped out of your head okay yeah so that, like a tex avery wolf let yep. me explain a few things number uh, one we're the flop house first principles we're the flop house we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it <laughs> number uh-huh. two the movie that we watched uh this time around is not our usual thing of Recent movies, uh, we've done a few movies in the theater recently. Mm-hmm. We, normally we do stuff that's new to like streaming or DVD, but anyway. And usually it's a big budget spectacular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh, this Or at week, the very least, whatever horror movie we could find at the moment. Yeah. yeah. This week, though, we're getting around to finally. It's more like a mumblecore art house movie, right? <laughs> yep. Zarkor the mumblecore. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. After after months and months of other stuff that we kind of had to like run through, we are getting around to the contest winners who designed our Flophouse merch. Oh, um, great! And doing one of the prizes was to pick a movie for us to talk about. And the first uh, contest winner, there were two. The first uh-huh. one is Elizabeth Steggy. Uh-huh. Uh, I asked her how she pronounces her name, and I believe that is correct. Uh-huh. Steggy. Steggy. Like a nickname for a stegosaurus in a kid's cartoon show? Oh, that's what yeah. that's what she said. She said it starts like stegosaurus and then there's an E at the end. So. Mm-hmm. Or like, mm-hmm. what would be, what, like plates, uh, fin? What, what would be a good nickname for a stegosaurus? I mean, I think either steggy or like, yeah, maybe maybe plates could mm-hmm. be it. Plates, you know, if okay. he's like a rapper oh, okay. and they call him plates. I mean, or, they if also he, have... or if he works out a lot and he's always pushing plates mm-hmm. around. Yeah, or that's true. Or a busboy. He's oh, always carrying plates. Yeah. Let me just tell you, bad idea to hire a stegosaurus as a busboy. One, they can't stand on their hind legs for very long, so they yeah. can't carry the plates. Two, 
You got that thagomizer at the end of their tail. That's the actual scientific word, thagomizer, oh, uh, for wow. the spikes. It was deci- uh, Gary Larson did a joke about it in The Far Side, and scientists realized, oh, we don't actually have a name for it. So I guess we'll just call it that. So it's called a thagomizer. Oh, but uh, it's, while it's swinging that thing back and forth, brussing tables, you know it's just killing people. You know, it's just <laughs> oh, impaling wow. them on the yeah. spikes. Yeah. And then you got the worst problem at all. Stegosaurus has got a tiny little pea brain. It's roughly the size of a walnut, uh-huh. and people are going to want to eat that delicious walnut. So they're just going to mm-hmm. crack open the head of your busboy, uh-huh. dip out that walnut, and then you got to get a new busboy. You know what? My- i gotta, I got to tear up my business plan now. Yeah. Now here's another bad one to, to hire as a busboy. Tyrannosaurus rex, little bitty arms, can't carry a lot of plates. I've, well, wait. I've never heard, heard that. I always thought Tyrannosaurus rexes were the ones with like super big long arms. Uh, no, that's just that one Tyrannosaurus Rex that has the workout tapes uh-huh. where he, that are called Blast Your t- Your Itty Bitty Arms. Yep, Blast <laughs> it's called, Yep. Yeah, it's it's called Tommy T-Rex Itty Bitty Arm Blaster. What if I and got it's, Theodore Rex to be my bus boy? Now, then you're just going to have a lot of shenanigans, okay. and you're also going to have to deal with Whoopi Goldberg hanging around the restaurant. I mean, that's great. Who wouldn't yeah, want I mean, Whoopi? She'll, she'll a bring huge star. In. Yeah, she'll, well, she'll bring in Billy Crystal. That's who she'll bring in. That's <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um... Guys, let me get to <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Which is, uh, I asked Elizabeth uh, to contribute a little, you know, a few words saying why she chose, of all movies, this movie that no one has heard of, Zarkor the Invader. <laughs> okay. Uh, and she said, Zarkor is quite possibly my favorite B movie, and it's not one of the better known ones, so I suppose I mostly just want to share it with others. I found it a, at a going-out-of-business sale for a video rental joint sometime around 2004. For me, it strikes that perfect balance of being overacted and dumb, cheaply made, etc., but with the occasional moments of brilliance and several aspects that are genuinely unique and interesting. It's funny. I would have thought that like rentals of Zarkor would have saved the business, but I guess not. <laughs> I don't know if you'll feel the same way, but I love how fucked up the alien race is. How terribly the protagonist reacts to suddenly needing to save the world. I think I would do a similar shit job of it, to be honest. How cryptozoology is apparently a thing, but cryptozoologists sure as fuck don't believe in aliens. And how thoroughly uncharismatic and awful the nerdy hacker character is. Also, it has a rad closing theme. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's full moon features doing a kaiju flick. If nothing else, that's fairly unique. I hope you guys enjoy watching it. Oh boy, now, did we ever. Don't want to rush to the end. <laughs> Stuart, were you excited when the Full Moon logo came up and you saw Charles Band's name in the opening credits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hopped up uh, out of my chair and I started running in circles while lying on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> the old whoop, whoop, whoop. And, yep. then, and you said, oh, what a good boy am I. Uh-huh, and I did, I, I did it so fast that <laughs> I bored a hole in the ground and I went to the center of the earth and I told the magmen and they came back and watched the movie with me. <laughs> oh, did, I mean, did they like it? Not to jump to Smile Judgments. How did the magmen feel about it? Oh, they were kind of concerned about its portrayal of, well, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, well, why don't we get into it? Zarkor the Invader starts as many spine-tingling, terrifying movies begin, with 90 seconds of the plainest credits I've ever seen. Yep. It is just like they said, what is, the fo- what is the cheapest font that we can get? Well, this is the font that comes with the video editing software you're going to use. Just give it to me. Great. Perfect. Yes, of course. Uh, we then go to Mount Aurora, California at 10, 10 p.m. Did you just say, time- Carif- Did you say California wrong? I don't think okay. I did. Uh, let's check the tape. We go to Mount Aurora Kagalagalaga. You're right, Stuart. I did. 
on reviewing the tape, instead of saying California, I said Kugalagalaga, which is not the name of that state. And I should know I live here. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you checked your driver's license right before saying that word. (laughs) Just to make sure I was pronouncing it right, because California, it has the pronunciation on the license because this state is full of dumb people, as we know from 80s movies about the entertainment business. Broken down phonetically. Exactly. Uh, Uh And broken down emotionally. Yeah. uh, Dumb 80s movies like Less Than Zero and and what? Beverly Hillbillies? And yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, Sophie's fire. Choice, yeah, and uh, you know uh, other eighties movies like uh, Children of a Lesser God, Howard's End, like uh-huh. your classic California movies, yeah. you know. Uh, so anyway, we're in California. It's ten ten p.m. This will become important because the time is the same everywhere in the world, despite how time works in real life, as we'll yes. see. Uh, and ten ten p.m. is most exciting because it's the tin tin of times, if yep. you pronounce it Dan McCoy way. Uh-huh. Yeah, now, that's true. Now, Dan, did you think that Tintin, the cartoon boy, was that his name was just Ten-Ten and he was a robot? No, I I can read and understand uh, words, <laughs> and I, I, I don't. I'm not confused by that. And also, unlike, I guess, both of you guys. Are you guys talking about I, Tintin? I, <laughs> unlike, I guess, both of you, I can understand words via context clues. Uh-huh. Oh. Like, I can think, like, oh, he's probably not thinking of the metal tin. He's thinking of the <laughs> number ten. Uh-huh. And uh, and so uh, like I mean homonyms do exist in the world, uh-huh. uh, guys. Are you are you confused by those regularly? I mean, in your I just I just I worried that you would be listening to Love Shack, the hit song by the B fifty twos, and mm-hmm. they'd say tin roof rusted, and you go ten roofs. What kind of mansion is this? Uh-huh. And they're all rusted. Uh, better get I to work. Call that a shack. <laughs> ten roofs on a shack. Oh boy. Anyway, it's Mount Aurora, California. It's ten ten p.m. and a pack of blue collar Joes witness an avalanche from which a monster emerges, which we assume we we later learn is the titular Zarkor. And he's kind of like, uh, you know, how would you describe him? Like he's like Godzilla, but he's got devil horns and mm-hmm. uh, not a lot of lower body movement, mm-hmm. mainly yeah. just just waist up. And you would uh, ass- you would kind of assume this from the movie, but uh, if you do any research on the film. I guess they just sort of had these special effects and wrote a movie around them. <laughs> oh, that cool. That seems... I mean, I don't know how you how you get that. I mean, the fact that the hero of the film and Zarkor, the monster, almost never appear in the same <laughs> scene, let alone on camera together. Uh, Zarkor's kind of unsteady on his feet, which is understandable. There's fire and magma erupting behind him. And he just him. woke up. And he just... That's true. Who knows how long he's been sleeping That's for. That's true. Uh, but he does manage to destroy a miniature gas station. Cut to Newark, New Jersey, 11.30 p.m. Yeah, we, again, we we hover over the skyline of the sprawling cityscape of Newark, New Jersey. Not since not since the HBO production uh, logo have I seen a miniature city created with such just love in every <laughs> single bit of it. And yet it still looks like a tiny little miniature. I, now, I gotta say that this is one thing I appreciate about the movie because like... The movie does this transition where the camera is zooming through these miniatures uh, to go into this guy's apartment uh, window. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the movie could have been satisfied by just, you know, going out on the street and doing a static establishing shot of a building. Yeah. Yeah. And no one would be any of the wiser. Throw in the, like, uh, no. Yeah, throwing the Seinfeld uh, baseline right in there. Yeah. <laughs> you got an intro. <laughs> yeah. The movie is and like, I- no, no, we got to swoop through these skyscrapers. Dan, Dan, they want to get across the excitement, the enthusiasm, the exuberance of Newark, New Jersey, which is, you know, it's the hottest city on the East Coast, as you know. And as a New Jersey boy, I was like, finally, Newark is getting its due. Small quibble, 11.30 p.m. at Newark, New Jersey is actually two hours before 
the events we just saw in California at 10, 10 p.m. Again, this seems to exist in a world where there are no time zones, <laughs> yeah. and it's the same time everywhere in the world, and that really threw me off. Uh, as we'll see as we go on, time it took, is it took you out of the proposition. Movie. It, yeah, it, after after real, I was like, Zarkor, puppet monster that walks out of a mountain, I totally buy it. And Newark, destroys Jersey, a very realistic-looking mountain town. <laughs> yeah, uh, Newark, New Jersey looks totally like a real miniature city. I am buying this. 11.30. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold on. I found the one plot hole in Zarkor the Invader. And, and this is where we're introduced to our hero, right? Tommy, the postal worker who watches cartoons at night. Yes, it's 11.30 at night. He is still in his postal worker uniform, so either he's leaving to work the night shift or that's the only clothing he owns <laughs> yeah. is his one uniform, like a cartoon character, which it is makes sense because he's watching cartoons on his TV in his kitchen when a tiny woman materializes on the counter and tells him that she is a mental project. Sorry, uh, so Audrey bought me uh, this little soundboard for... Uh... For Christmas, and I thought that, you know, just to spice things up, make things a little more like a morning zoo crew, I could, uh, you know, just toss in a a few little drops every once in a while. Sure, yeah, yeah, give us another drop, yeah, so so let let me reset you up. So a a tiny woman who is an alien materializes in his apartment. Oh, shit. Wait. So so she fell off a cliff? I don't (laughs) know. You know, I don't know how she materialized there. Maybe so Dan, she jumps into a portal. When she gave you this, did she say this ought to spice things up a little bit? Because you might be using it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I think I know what you're implying. I'm not quite sure how that would work. I mean, I, I assume that this is, Dan, and I don't want to air your dirty laundry on the on the podcast too much uh, in public. But I have to assume laundry. that a lot of your love play, a lot of your love play involves you being the wolf from a Tex Avery cartoon. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is kind of my personality to some degree. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's not integrated, let's say. Yeah, you, that you're some kind of a beast and partially in the shape of a man mm-hmm. forced to wear a man's clothing. Yeah. But deep down, you're a boiling yeah, with, I cauldron of constantly sexual energy. Like painful eyes from all the popping that happens. I, certainly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it must hurt. And when your head turns into a steam whistle, that can't feel good. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm going to set this uh, soundboard aside for just a second. <laughs> and then, you know, like every once in a while, maybe it'll come back. I don't know. Sounds well, great. I, mean, I love it. I mean, we have we have been talking, you know, we've been doing this show for a little while now, guys. And we've been talking about ways to spice things up. And I think uh, this is a step in the right direction, Tane. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to be proactive, guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, you're, sure. and, you're picking up stones and seeing what's underneath. You know? <laughs> and as often happens, you find great things when you pick up a stone and look what's underneath. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ra- ra- it's rare the times that I've picked up a stone and looked underneath <laughs> and not been like, this is good. I'm glad I found this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Legend of Zelda, and a lot of times when I pick up stones, there's just like rupees sitting there, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. Guess I'm going to India. Yeah. So anyway, the... Uh, so this tiny woman materializes and tells him, I'm a mental projection from a superior alien race. We have set a monster, Zarkor, to destroy the Earth unless you can stop him. It's a test of humanity. And we picked you because you are the most middling, non-exciting, average man out there. And his response is, his immediate response is, okay. <laughs> Just kind of a little resigned. And I wish they had run with that because then he's like, wait, wait, this is crazy. But I love the idea of somebody being told that and just being like, uh oh okay like what do I do <laughs> Yeah I mean he has he he certainly has a uh, he has a put upon he has a certain put upon energy when explained that he is the only one who can stop them In fact we have one of my favorite line readings in the movie 
How in God's name am I supposed to fight a 180-foot dinosaur? How am I supposed to fight a 180-foot <laughs> dinosaur? Now, well, I just like that Stuart noticed Dan's soundboard game and decided to immediately obliterate him by taking it to the third <laughs> level. <laughs> Wow. Was that one bite? He, he yeah, was, that was yeah, one. yeah, he was saving that one for a big big slam moment. Um, <laughs> so the so this alien who is is basically like a if that alien that talks to Fred Flintstone was played by Amy Dolan's yeah, from, great gazoo character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, if the, if you mix great, the great gazoo with Christina Applegate from Married with Children and, I, and you get this character. Yeah, yeah, and there's there's a moment where he's like, "Why do you look the way you look?" and she's like, "Well, uh, the alien intelligence is trying to try to come up with a form that you find the least intimidating. And I'm like, guys, a that if you think that a guy like him is not intimidated by young, scantily clad women, you are wrong, my friend. Very good point. Very good point. Although uh, she is much three of society inches tall, maybe are, that's the compensation. Get, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, so she can crawl. So that at night while he's sleeping, she can just crawl into his mouth and pull all his teeth out. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty scary. <laughs> now, I, I, I what does say, she even need all those teeth for? I, that's a good question. <laughs> I feel, you know, uh, is she going to use it like it as an ottoman or something? <laughs> uh, maybe she's she knows the monster from the first season of Channel Zero, and she's uh huh, and she's trying to replenish his body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, uh, she also I, she also tells him she informs him also that life has no meaning and there's no life after death. That was great. I love that. Yeah, he accepts that pretty pretty easily. Now this notion of him being like the absolute mean human being, the the middle and, of the uh, road. Uh-huh. By by mean average. you mean average, not like yes. ooh, yeah, yeah. yes, not uh, like a bully. Well, he he says he's the mean later. I should so I use that term, but I guess it was confusing. Uh-huh. Um, this notion okay. of him... No, I also, I, I think that's his rap name, The Mean. Okay. <laughs> but him being the most average uh, person on Earth. Now, I feel like maybe I've seen this in science fiction before, this notion. I don't know where, though. But I did like it. I did like the idea of... I thought it was kind of fun, this alien race testing humanity by choosing the most average person. Yeah. Um, yeah, no... And it also, the way he behaves, if he is the most average, man, ugh, woof. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, I was like, oh, holding humanity to a pretty low bar if this is the average. Because his, his plan is to go kidnap somebody, basically. I love it. They turn on the news, and uh, the news is interviewing a pretty cryptozoologist named Stephanie Martin. But the news anchor does not is not really interested in Stephanie's answers and keeps cutting her off yeah. to uh, because she's bored by what she's saying. Whatever. And she's basically like... Uh, sorry, I missed it. What was that one, Dan? Sorry, I thought this was appropriate at that time. Whatever. <laughs> Dan, I want you to, Dan, to like, hold up a finger so that I know to pause when the, when the sound is coming so I can enjoy it so much. Uh, and the tiny and the, the tiny lady is like, hey, write all this down. Zarkor can't be beaten by earth weapons, including swords. And yep. she pronounces it swords, which I found <laughs> amazing. But there are things on Earth that you can use to stop him. And Zarkor is keyed to you, so he's going to travel across the country to you and kill you, and you've got to stop him. But here's a hint. Zarkor contains the key to his own destruction, and you better act fast, Tommy. And then she disappears, and we never see her again in the film, which is too bad, because I liked that great gazoo-type chemistry yeah. that they yeah. had Yeah, well, I, I mean, she talks about how 
he's the only one who can see her because she's projecting into his mind. Uh-huh. And so I assumed that she would come back later on, and that would be like a plot point that like yeah. she, he's the only one who can see her, and everyone thinks he's crazy. I, li- I like the, the point when this very average man, when she's explaining the rules of the movie to him, he's she's like, you might want to get a pencil and paper. And he's like, oh, do I have to? <laughs> How about I just use a tape recorder? <laughs> And she's like, of course, that wouldn't work because only you can hear me and it, yada, yada, yada. But she does not become part of his team of heroes that he assembles. So mm-hmm. Zarkor, meanwhile, in between most of the Tommy scenes is just footage of Zarkor, st- Zarkor stomping around different towns, blowing up miniatures. Just mm-hmm. get, assume that every time we're not watching Tommy, we're watching Zarkor just kind of like making his way across the country in the dark. It's always nighttime wherever Zarkor is. It's never daytime. Perhaps he brings a plague of darkness with him, a Mm, cloud cover that blots out the life-giving sun, but Mm -hmm. more likely they just didn't think that much about it, and the darkness really hides the fact that it's like a a puppet suit that they're using. Oh, okay. Uh, I I would assume. So anyway, 1.33 a.m., Tommy, for some reason, has taken two hours to get his act together Uh and go on down to the news station so that he can... Essentially, like, go find the cryptozoologist. This takes the form of him creeping her out and ends with her, him in a standoff holding a gun to her like, with the security guards. Yeah, oh, I kind of loved this development because it, <laughs> it was like, okay, you're, you're going to save the world. Like, this guy immediately gets himself into a hostage situation. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of, it reminded me a lot of, like, the times that I've seen an intricately plotted role-playing game and the characters immediately, like, get themselves into deep shit by doing something dumb. Like 30 minutes into this movie, we're in like a tense hostage situation. I'm like, <laughs> man, this is not going to help them stop Zarkor. No. And I have to admit at the time I was like, come on, dude. But then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, what would I do in that situation? I don't know. Could I have come up with a better plan than try to kidnap a cryptozoologist I saw on TV? <laughs> Probably yeah. not. What this also implies is that the news station just has her on call at the studio all night yeah. to cover, I guess, during their live coverage of the Zarkor uh, invasion as he walks across the town. I mean, that's uh, the and- life of a cryptozoologist. I like that the uh, <laughs> security guards are like, he's like, you can't take me to jail. And they're like, yeah, we can't. We're just security guards. But we have guns and we can kill you. Yeah. <laughs> They're not great security guards. There's one that really wants to be a martyr and keeps saying, just let me, just take me out. Just let me go in and get him. Uh, and the soundtrack of the movie, this is a problem it has throughout the film. Can't decide whether this is supposed to be a tense scene or a goofy scene. The uh-huh. music is like, bum, 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 boop, 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 dun, 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 And I was like, guys, how am I supposed to feel? You gotta help guide me through this. I will say, the music is definitely a little overbearing. Like, it's mixed pretty loud and... It gets kind of Mickey Mousey sometimes. But That's how I, you get that full moon flavor, baby. But I also kind of <laughs> like it. Uh, and I looked it up. It's by uh, Charles Band's brother, who yeah. did like almost all of the full moon stuff, like oh, yeah. including you know like Castle Freak and like he did the oh, music. Oh, Castle to Freak, never heard of it. From he, Beyond, he did, the, he did the music for Reanimator. Like, yeah. he, and you'd understand he's good at, and head of the family. He's good at this. He's got band in his name. Yeah. Music yeah. is in his blood. Yeah. One man band. Um, the uh, I'm looking. I'm looking now. He did all four of the Time Warrior movies. So he ends up. He ends up taking the cryptozoologist at gunpoint into the bathroom, and then like <laughs> two cops show up, and he somehow manages to convince one of the cops to put a gun on his partner, who he describes as like a brother to him. Yeah. So this one of the cops uh, is a. Uh, 
he's a UFO guy already. Yeah. And he's like, oh, see, this all makes sense. Cattle mutilation, crop circles, it's all been there. And so this cop is like, you know what? I'll help. Oh, the cop's name is George, by uh-huh. the way. Okay. Uh, and he handcuffs the other cop, and they go on the run. And this is why, I mean, Tommy's an average <laughs> guy, but you know what? George, he's kind of an average guy, too. And there's uh-huh. kind of like an average guy understanding between the two of them. <laughs> and so yeah. that's why he's like, I can see into his soul. Meanwhile, again, Zarkor, he shows us now that he has eye lasers. He's mm-hmm. just blowing stuff up. And our heroes are in the cop car, and they listen to a radio report of Zarkor defeating the Air Force. So uh, nothing can stop him. There's nothing. Uh, they, they Tommy finally convinces Stephanie to help. That's the cryptozoologist. And the three of them hide the squad car in what the Chiron describes as the warehouse district, New Jersey, 6, mm-hmm. 17 a.m. Now, yep. here's two things I love about that. One, they must have been driving around for like three hours. Two, so this is the warehouse district for the whole state? Because yep. usually like a city has a warehouse district. I assume by warehouse district for New Jersey, they just mean the northern half of the state. Since yeah. the southern half or, is or fairly Camden. rural. Could be, it could be the city of Camden. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as a New Jersey guy, I was like... Yeah, I guess the New Jersey is kind of the warehouse district for the entire country. But uh, the specificity of it I liked. Anyway, they argue a lot. And Stephanie is like, I know someone who can help us. And this is when maybe my least and most favorite character in the movie decides Mm -hmm. to make his entrance. Now, uh, what was his name? I don't remember what it was. But this is uh, the wheelchair-bound nerd hacker. Uh He does not like that term. No, he doesn't like the term hacker. He prefers to call himself a cybernaut. He has a nervous laugh and is constantly talking. He's mm-hmm. very much the Elliot Kalin of the movie, yeah. which means he is very annoying. But he's also like yeah, he's got creep. some he's got some serious Joaquin Phoenix uh, vibes <laughs> yeah. here. But he's also like a creep. So he's like, oh, did you did Stephanie tell you she lost her virginity to her English teacher? They talked about it on the phone. I recorded it, and it's like, oh, you so you're a you're a maniac, like you're a terrible person. Uh-huh. But uh, this guy. He really chews the scenery, and he decides he's going to get them some information by hacking into government weather satellites. Mm-hmm. This takes roughly, what, half the movie that they're yeah. just hanging around in his yeah. lab and he's just hacking? Like, like what's I, going on with that? I personally thought that this movie had, like, a promising beginning. Yeah. I, I yes. was thinking, like, no, was oh, great. this is kind of fun. You know, like, I like the the notion of this guy being, you know, chosen to, to prove that humanity should still exist and then they go to this place and they're just hanging around uh, this computer guy and i'm just like okay well i'm losing interest rapidly movie Uh, (laughs) could you do something yeah uh, the the movie begins almost like a jerry forward episode of rick and morty yeah uh and then but they get they get really uh holed up at this place for a long time uh, eventually, they somehow, and I couldn't quite follow their logic, decide that the monster is made out of laser light and therefore mm-hmm. must have an off switch. They all just kind of accept this and well, and I, run with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know about the laser light part. I don't know how they figured that out. But like the off switch thing, the notion, I guess, is that was the code. The like the monster holds the defeat within itself, uh-huh. and because he is the most average person in the world, uh-huh. like this is just dumb enough, but just clever enough an idea oh, yeah. that he would come up with it. Is there <laughs> logic? I guess maybe I don't know. It's one of those things where they're like, we've got to find the off switch. Instead, they end up finding some other thing. Like yeah. it's not really an off switch. But well, he just. I, mean, long story I don't know. Short, I don't know how you turn your TV off. I usually uh, refocus its eye lasers back on itself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. I don't know if that was the most appropriate one. I mean, but... you should probably save that for when Zarkar gets defeated, no, which no, is pretty there's... soon because there's not a lot that happens in the movie. And the movie's only an hour and 15. It's that sweet 75-minute sweet spot. So anyway, there's a lot of mumbo-jumbo and radar hacking, and they find out we got to go to a small town in Arizona called Williston, Arizona. They fly there because despite the monster on the loose destroying the country, there are still regular flights from <laughs> Newark to Arizona mm-hmm. to Phoenix. Or where was it? Phoenix that they went to, and then they had a rental car or something. Yep. It's uh, Infrastructure is still working fine. Uh, they go there, and everyone at this town has been waiting around for some government people to deal with this little flying saucer that crashed into the local diner. It's a little bitty. It looks like a Weber, one of those little Weber grills uh-huh. that you get when you have an apartment, and you're just going to grill on the patio. And they know? and they show up wearing suits, so everybody assumes they're government agents. Yeah, and you have to assume that they were like, oh, here comes the men in black, galaxy defenders. Mm-hmm. Here come mm-hmm. the MIBs. Here come the MIBs. Yep, the forget-me-nots. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I liked this, too, the, the notion that this whole town was like, uh, like when they showed up, I'm like, finally, like they've been expecting them, yeah. but they, it's a case of mistaken identity. That was kind and of they're fun. wearing they're wearing suits now because uh, the nerd goes, hey, while I'm looking up this stuff, go take them to get some clothes since since it's you, a mailman, and a police officer, uh, and you're not going to get too far in those uniforms. And they had the opportunity for a shopping montage, and they did not take it. Yeah, and I'm very disappointed. Yeah, I do love that the costuming in this movie feels a little bit like they just went to like whatever central casting uh, like warehouse they could find. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, we have this uh, postal worker uniform, so <laughs> you're going to be a post office guy. Yeah. Because he never, aside from picking up one of those postal bins to get into the TV studio when he first goes to meet Stephanie, yeah. he doesn't do anything that he needs to be a mailman or a right. postal worker. So you and, wanted to u- him to use his special mailman powers yeah. to defeat I mean, if there, I wanted somehow. there to be a part where it's like, Oh, what's in this Arizona town? Oh, Williston, Arizona. Oh, yeah, that's zip code da 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 da. There's a special mail route that goes there. Or, for instance, what if he's like, I'll disguise myself as a letter, mail yep. myself to Zarkor. <laughs> yep. Zarkor some... will open me, I'll jump out, and then uh-huh. I'll catch him in a bag, just like lock, now, stock, and barrels with Santa sort of Claus. Flat Stanley situation you're talking about? Or. I think it would have to. Well, before that, he'd have to use a steamroller to flatten himself, yeah. a la Kevin Klein at the end of A Fish Called Wanda, uh-huh. so that he could fit into that envelope. Now, yeah, or Judge Doom. Well, he's not the... so much much flattened is just pushed down into some cement okay then i judge doom scenario thank yeah. you Stuart, for, for uh, correcting me the, on that. Uh, or 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 if there was a moment where like the he he had to like get to zarkor but the only way he could do is get past like a dog and he's like oh no my greatest <laughs> enemy the dog i would love that or if it was like Sorry, I don't uh, have a dog on there. So. Now, Dan, i think as you may remember from our cats episode judy dench told us cats are not dogs <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, that's just go check out the cats episode smile and stand <laughs> so anyway the uh I, so yeah or if there was a part where they were like no one can get past it he's creating hail rain snow and dark of night and he'd be like none of those things will stay me from my appointed yeah all right i'll like mm-hmm. that one yeah, yeah yeah i'm just saying make the most of it the cop they use a lot of his stuff he has a gun he handcuffs his partner mm-hmm. and then later on for for one minute he becomes very religious when they show up at the town <laughs> and i didn't really understand that but uh, anyway, they find this this crash little flying saucer, and they just well, it's kind of like it. the movie Signs, Elliot, that shows like that the the difference uh, like faith, you know, it's the same, and no matter what you have faith in, you know, whether it's uh, <laughs> whether it's like magic or like coincidence or whether it's uh, water killing aliens or something. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> any of those things, uh, and also that I mean, aliens are out in space; so they're closer to heaven, right? That's actually true. Yep, technically true. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. heaven is not a place on earth, despite what the song mm-hmm. says. 
No, and, and hell is not for children, despite what that song says. So uh-huh. there's a lot of misperceptions about heaven and hell out there. Heaven it, is a place where nothing ever happens, though, I'm told. Uh, I mean, that is something I've heard, but I don't know it for sure. I've also uh-huh. heard that there's a highway to hell, but <laughs> I haven't seen it, and, and I have I also, not driven on it. I also heard life is a highway. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, life, if you do it the wrong way, is a highway to hell, I assume, uh, if yeah. there is such a thing. Uh, now or the right way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I've heard that you could also walk on sunshine. So maybe there's a highway to heaven too. Yeah. But I also heard that's... that children shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys, who and flew a... Anti Roo? <laughs> guys, let it, I want to give you some directions. Okay, you want to avoid the highway to hell. Don't take that exit. Uh-huh. That highway goes to the danger zone. You don't oh, want no. to deal out that one. No, no. no, no <laughs> Stick no. to this one. The highway to heaven. <laughs> I also heard that. Uh, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. <laughs> you heard that? <laughs> but don't, but don't tell her it's me. Also, don't tell her it's me, aka the boyfriend school. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but guys, but guys, but guys, who's Harry Crumb? <laughs> John and, Candy. And one more question for you. One more question. Okay. Uh huh. What about Bob? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, sorry. What sound was that? That was that was an oh yeah, like uh, like a sort of a bounce bounce. Oh, like the song by Yellow, as yeah. a, as seen in the Twix commercials, Smile and Stamp. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the heroes take this little flying saucer, uh-huh. and uh, Tommy is like, "We got to head straight to Zarkor." And then it kind of looks like sm- a, like an old timey construction worker's hat, but real big. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. So let's describe this flying saucer. It's like a it's, it's like a it, I couldn't tell at one point they referred to it as a sphere, but I uh-huh. thought it was just like a dome. Like, yeah, what is like it? a weird plate, and they say that the uh, that it's uh, that diamonds won't scratch it, which is weird that this dude found it and he's like, "I'm going to start rubbing diamonds on this." <laughs> and they're like, uh, "It's funny because they're like, they're like diamonds won't scratch it. Look at this, nothing can get through it." And they're like, "Did you try to open it up?" And it's like, "Yeah, dude, that's how we figured out the information we just gave you." <laughs> I think the heroes are not really paying attention at that point, so they're going to go to where Zarkor is. They encounter a roadblock. Uh, and they try to bluff their way through it, which does not work at all. Uh, George, the policeman, is like, "Hey, uh, my mom's in there. I gotta go find her." That was that was great. That was great. It was terrible. It was such a like a fuck up. It was awesome. Yeah, and uh, and the guys like everyone's been evacuated, which is not true because when Tommy finds himself in the town, there's people running around. But uh, Tommy is like super intense. He's almost in a trance now, yeah. as if he's come to accept the importance of his mission and that he really is the only one who can save the world from Zarkor. Uh-huh. G- guys, did you feel like he like suddenly started taking things seriously? Oh, yeah. He I certainly mean, stepped okay. up his game. The And there's a moment where he, he's so, he, he has a plan, and he's like, okay, I got this, guys. Trust me. And George, like, nods and said, he's like, sure, Tommy's got this. And then, like... Stephanie in the back. Her name's Stephanie, right? Yeah, Stephanie. She's in the back seat, like kind of takes a second looking at both of them. She's like, "Uh, do you have a plan?" <laughs> like, I do like that she is the she is clearly much more intelligent than these two guys, and is just being dragged around by these two maniacs. Yeah, it takes her a long time to get on board with their saving the world idea. Which, to be honest, again, if I was in her position. I gotta say, it would take me a while to come around to it. Yeah. I would not be a George and just be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." I'd it's, be a Stephanie. I, I mean, don't think it's, she did. She w- did have a gun held. Like yeah. she did have a crazy guy show up at a news station yeah. in a post post office workers. Uniform. I don't think she's so much against the idea of saving the world, but the methodology is kind of 
her argument. No, no. Oh, no, no. She's she's like, tear it all down. It's oh, time to restart yeah, from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. This place is too corrupt. She's a real yeah. Joaquin Phoenix and Joker. It's the yeah. second time we've mentioned it in this yeah. movie. She's got a, yeah, she's got a tape deck queued up to, what is that, wave of mutilation to play as mm. uh, the whole world collapses. Oh, I thought you were going to say rock and roll number two. I mean, if you're making a, a Fight Club <laughs> reference, it's Where's My Mind. Uh-huh. Oh, Where's My Mind. Thank you, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that reminds me. Dude, where's my car? <laughs> <sighs> I love movies whose titles are question marks. <laughs> because it's like the movie maker is saying, I can only promise you that the movie will answer this one question. Yeah. If you were wondering, if you're so dumb that when you watch a movie, you're having trouble figuring out what the characters want to find out, let me just put it in the title so that you know for sure. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like how my friend Alejandro was saying that the cover of every book should ask a question that only the interior can answer. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the question as a movie title does. Like, who is Harry Crumb? I don't fucking know. He's stuck to a window. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. That's all anyone ever knows about him. <laughs> yeah. Or like the title of Hot is it, Dog, is it, the movie. Is it it's this like... guy? Is it is it John Candy? I don't know. doesn't say so on the cover. Do you think there's some guy who, when Who's Harry Crumb walked out, passed by the poster and was like, I don't fucking know. Don't ask me, dude. Yeah. Because at the time, also, everyone was talking about who's Harry Crumb. Who's Harry Crumb was on everybody's lips. (laughs) So you think he was constantly being like, why is everyone trying to ask me who Harry Crumb is? I don't know. And eventually it drove him insane. I mean, that was my reaction to meet Joe Black. I'm like, what if I don't want to? Don't tell me what to do. You're not my dad movie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like like every movie that is just the the name of the main character, it should have meat. (laughs) (laughs) Meet Citizen Kane. Meet Nell. <laughs> meet Hoffa. Yeah, I'm a meat Hoffa. So, but then the movie Dave would be called Meet Dave, which is already a movie. Still, right. we've got a problem. Here. Oh no, no! Uh, how do I untangle this? Okay, we got to work our way backwards. About, yeah, if you call it Meet Meet Dave, you're just saying like you got to meet the movie. Like you're holding up a DVD, like Meet yeah, Meet but, Dave. But uh, wait. A movie's not a person, right? Yeah. So we can't do that. <laughs> no. But there are some movies that have the name of a person. Yeah. Oh, I'm so confused. Mm. Oh, man. What, and so you'd have a movie called Meet Aaron Brockovich, which makes sense. Uh-huh. And yeah. then what about a movie called like, uh, what if it was like Meet Zorro? And you'd be like, wait, but Zorro, he's a guy, but he's not a real, he's a fictional character. But what if it was a movie that was called Meet uh, meat and the movie's about meat uh-huh. or meat midnight meat train and you're like oh my god I don't know <laughs> wait I gotta so get running into that hominem problem so I, I was talking about before I, yeah I gotta go meet this train at midnight like yeah. I'm gonna be sleeping yeah I'm busy feeling Minnesota right now I can't do that <laughs> what a dumb name <laughs> Um, okay, guys, long story short, actually, very short story, a little <laughs> bit shorter, because the movie is not very long. Uh-huh. Tommy just drives through this roadblock uh-huh. after his friends get out of the car. He runs into town, uh, and the monster shoots his labor- lasers at him. He holds up the saucer like Jason with his shield. Uh-huh. Uh, that, oh, no, not Jason, I'm sorry, like Perseus, Perseus with yeah. his shield. With, like, Perseus reflecting the eye beams of Medusa. He reflects Zarkor's eye lasers back on him. Uh-huh. Zarkor is destroyed. And Tommy wakes up in a hospital. Wait, what was that? Sorry, hold on. It says goal. Oh, okay. <laughs> just because you know his his aim was so good. I'm, you know, this is this. All right, hold on. This bit is over, except for I do have to before I retire it. 
there's yeah. a sound effect that's uh, listed as twaddle. Oh. And I just got to see what that is. So hold on. Oh, that's good. No, that's like pretty that great. One. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, sure. So yeah. that's, that's that. Dan's, Dan's that. making a note on the device. He's writing, use only for love play. <laughs> okay. Right. No, I, was, I, have a, I, have a, I have a card here where I've been ranking the sounds. Mm-hmm. I think Twaddle is at the oh, top. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, just upset the whole rankings. Mm-hmm. Now, I, the thing is, uh, you may guys may not know this. I don't need a portable soundboard because I have one. It's called Sammy Kalen, six-year-old. <laughs> oh, and he'll okay. just walk around going... Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, uh, you're pushing for him to be one of the cast in uh, Police Academy Kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called, it's called taking it's called over the Police, Michael Winslow role. It's called Police Academy Junior, uh-huh. and uh, it's they're all the kids of the characters from the previous Police oh, Academy. Wow. And there's no reason Sammy can't be Michael Winslow's son. Come on. And so uh, I think there's like a little high tower who's really short. And uh-huh. so that's the joke. Is oh, that that's hilarious. She's really short, but her name is Hightower. Uh-huh. And then there's uh, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait's character's whose name is Bob yeah. Kitten. Yeah. Uh, and there's, I don't remember the names of the other characters. There's that now, lady who's real tough. There's Steve Gutenberg. Uh-huh. Uh, Mahoney. There's, yeah, Mahoney. Tackleberry. And, uh, ta- so, so Tackleberry, uh, their mm-hmm. kid is like uh, He doesn't pacifist. like guns. Yeah, he's yeah. a pacifist. No, no, yeah. hates guns and is really into collectible card games. Uh-huh. And, and is always like, and also apps with in-app purchases. So Tackleberry is like, I can't afford this on a policeman's salary. You're buying all this Minecraft stuff in the app. And he's like, yeah. eh, whatever. It's not uh-huh. real money. He's like, yes, it is real money. This is terrifying. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Now, Elliot, I want to just rewind a moment, though. Now, this Hightower child, you said the thing <laughs> is that she's really short. Yeah. Now, is it particularly funny that a child is, is small? Because it is my experience that most children are actually short. Naturally. That's a good point. Well, there is that is fair that children are naturally shorter than adults. Yes. But there's also uh, height as you. I mean, height's not binary. Height is a is a very fluid. Uh, right. So uh, you're saying that the, this this child can be as scary, small yeah. as like the character in this movie, uh, the the alien uh, intelligence maybe. I mean, children can be as small as a single cell really yeah. early on. When yeah. they're just starting. Yeah. A- a- then, apparently, according to some online uh, resource, my friend's child uh, is about the size of a chinchilla growing inside of her oh. stomach. Not as soft, though. If you, it's not as soft. If no. you touch that growing baby, it would be real icky sticky and not yeah. at all soft like oh, a chinchilla. Oh, cool. Thank you for warning I don't, me. I was about to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much of... I don't know much about children. I just know, as Stuart said earlier, they shouldn't play with dead things. <laughs> yep. I mean, that kind of goes for everybody, right? Yeah. Like, well, morticians... Uh-huh, yeah, if people were playing I... with dead things, we would have like all of our medical advancements in human yeah. history. Think about it. Depends that, on right? what play is defined as. <laughs> yeah, I guess. see, I would I would call that work, but you know, I guess if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's there's some mortician yeah, 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 who's the like Victor Frankenstein story. <laughs> there's there's some mortician who has an assistant, and the new body comes in. and He goes, "It's playtime," and the uh-huh. assistant is like, uh, "I want to work somewhere else." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, He's guys, like, I thought this was just a job where I got to eat sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> the guys, okay, let's just throw out that myth right now. In every movie, the guy doing the autopsy is always eating a sandwich, and I'm offended by that. Uh-huh. I have a full three-course Italian meal. That's right. There's a pasta course, there's a meat course, uh-huh. and then a cheese course yep. every time I'm autopsying a body. I won't settle for a regular sandwich. So would you like more 
rig it? <laughs> Would you like more lasagna bolognese while you're cutting open that yeah. corpse? And he's gonna uh-huh. be like, uh, I don't know if I want any. No, no, you should have some. It's it's delicious. Yeah. And then uh, maybe like, uh, what, how about what, these like? seven fishes? Would you like some of those? <laughs> Oh, so it's a whole feast of the seven fishes yeah, every time is. that they've got work to do, huh? Yeah. Uh, so you. So anyway, wait, there's the ending of this movie. <laughs> there's two minutes or so left. Tommy wakes up in a hospital. He's now famous. Everybody loves him. And the reporter from earlier is like, "There are even some people who want you to run for president." And he goes, "Okay." And that's how the how the movie ends <laughs> with the with the promise of a Tommy third party campaign for president on the Zarkor killing platform. And then uh, there's a really rocking song over the credits yeah. about Zarkor. Like I love any movie that has a song about the main character or the monster, and this yeah. one takes itself. This one's having fun, but it takes itself seriously. It is not telling jokes about Zarkor. It is warning you through the medium of rock and roll about uh-huh. Zarkor. Yeah, Dan was singing his favorite theme song that mentions the main character uh, that played over the credits of Meet Joe Black. Do you want to <laughs> sing a couple bars of that, Dan? Yeah. Uh, it's like, he goes, uh, He's really death, death in human form. Meet oh. Joe Black, meet Joe Black. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Stuart, I know you missed the first 10 and last 10 minutes of the movie. Uh-huh. So you were like, why is everyone being so awkward around this Joe Black guy? Yeah. Did you did you ever see? There's a scene in the movie where uh, Anthony Hopkins is uh, trying to come up with a fake name to describe death to his kids, and they're like, "What's his name? Uh, he has a name, right? Um, yeah, it's." And I'm, I remember Conan O'Brien did a bit where when the movie came out, where they just were looping that moment <laughs> over and over again, pretty much, or re-editing it so it stretched on for like a minute <laughs> of him not being able to come up with a name. <laughs> uh, it was really funny. Funny stuff. It was. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was, it was a funny thing, funny bit. So, Zarkor, guys. Uh... Final judgments. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? A movie you kind of like? Elliot, what were we gonna say? Guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it. This is a movie I kind of liked for yeah. three main reasons. One, uh-huh. I love mo- giant monster movies, and I love giant monster movies where the special effects are not amazing. Like, to be honest, I would rather watch Zarkor the Invader than Godzilla. Uh, the most recent one. What was it called? Was it called Godzilla? King, King of, of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather watch this than that. But also, it was kind of like a goofy movie that like had a few funny, like genuinely funny ideas and moved along fast. And guys, it's so short. There's there's something. Yeah, it's an hour twenty. Real, there's really jo- something joyous about starting a movie and being like, oh, I'm gonna finish this kind of before I realize I'm watching it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's, I feel like that's it, why I was so excited when I'm like, we're half an hour into this uh, 75 minute movie, and they're still in a hostage situation in a in a <laughs> TV station. Yeah, so I feel like this. They kind of they knew exactly what kind of movie they were making, and they made it, and I enjoyed it. But what did you guys think? Yeah, what do you think? Steve? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. It, I might lean more toward. Uh, like a good bad movie. I think it's fun to watch with people. I mean, I had fun watching it by myself, but uh, you know, if uh, you know, if you're comfortable with yourself, like you can you can you can have a good time just by yourself. You know what I mean, Dan? I have a good time by myself all the time. Oh, awesome. Oh, uh, uh, wait a minute. Oh, Dan. So, oh. no, no, I'm I'm with Stuart in that I think it's kind of between a movie kind of like kind of good bad. However, I I don't know. I, I really wished I had been watching it with other people. As it was at an hour 20, I was kind of like, okay, this could be half as long because the middle <laughs> sags a lot. Uh, I, I, I would say, you know, like 
it's not streaming for free anywhere. You have, yeah, like I had to pay to rent it, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend anyone do that. But no, I agree. I agree. I don't think it the, was worth. A, uh, it I might be a bunch of pals to kick in a five cents to each. I mean, it's. Watch. I think it's streaming for free on the Full Moon Video app. Oh, okay, so if you're already subscribed to Full Moon uh, Video, then yeah, there you go. <laughs> then then I mean, Stuart wants to be your friend. Go on. <laughs> Uh, but cool. Guys. So I that was final there judgments. Worse, there are worse things you could put in your eyeballs and your ear holes than this movie. Like, like needles. Uh, yeah. That goes without saying, Dan. Why would you even suggest that? <laughs> I didn't suggest it. You suggested it. Uh, I was talking about like I don't know other movies. <laughs> what about those weird little like candles that you burn to burn off all yeah, your earwax? Ear candles. What about those? I mean, I mean, don't put them in your eyes. You don't have <laughs> eyewax. That's crazy. Don't talk to me about oh. what I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, okay, fair point. Sorry, Dan. I didn't mean to judge. Maybe your eyes are full of wax. Hey, J. Keith. Hey, Helen. I hear you have a true-false quiz you want me to finish. I do. Here we begin. We host a trivia game show podcast on the Max Fun Network called Go Fact Yourself. True. Correct. The show is all about celebrity guests answering trivia questions about things J. Keith enjoys. False. We sometimes don't talk about baseball or cats. Thank God. It's questions about things they enjoy. Next, we bring on surprise experts every episode. True. Correct. Final question. It's just the two of us sitting alone with these guests. False. Correct. We have a live audience at the Angel City Brewery. See? You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. And if you don't listen, you can go fact yourself. True. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions, they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a Flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. Let's move on to uh, our sponsor this week. Uh, now, of course, the Flophouse is largely sponsored in part by listeners like you and in March, the uh, Max Fun Drive will be coming up, but we don't need to talk about that just yet. It is also sponsored in part by Squarespace. Squarespace. Which is a company that allows you to make websites. Well, it doesn't allow you to make websites. Uh, you know, like, you can make a website no <laughs> so matter you what. Have, you don't need Squarespace's permission, man. Get off my back, Squarespace. Yeah, it, it will help you. It will assist you in the making of a website if you are... Not a programmer. If you do uh-huh. not know HTML, this is a very convenient way of doing it. It'll allow you to blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and much, much more uh, by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box. A lot of people are going to be looking at your website on an iPhone or other smartphone. I wouldn't. I'm sorry for you shilling for Apple. Any any phone. 
Yeah, you know, any you kind of phone. Not not a burn burner phone though. No, right? not no, a flip no, phone. or a rotary phone. Yeah, or you hopefully, said smartphone. Yeah. hopefully not one of those exploding Samsungs either. Not a, not a exploding Samsung. Uh, but it's a so new Dan, way. Dan, it sounds like you're still talking down Apple's uh, rivals <laughs> when you're talking about one of those exploding Samsungs. So maybe, like, don't mention brands <laughs> of phones. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's a new way to buy domains. Choose from over 200 extensions, free and secure hosting. Go to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Dan, I had an idea for a website, and I was wondering if Squarespace could help me. Probably, but uh, I'm not going to listen because i got to go pee. You talk about it. I mean, you can tell me, or we can just pause the recording. Nope. I mean, I could... Nope. Okay, I'll tell Stuart because Dan had to announce his peeing. So, anyway, I mean... Now, I want listeners to go back and listen to the last 10, 15 minutes of the show, uh-huh. knowing that Dan had to pee probably that whole time, yeah. and see, like, what, is it, what does it make you think uh-huh. about the way he's saying? Does it add a little bit of extra, like, yep. meaning, uh, a frisson to it? Is it like, sure. now it's like a Harold Pinter thing. It's about what he's not saying. Uh-huh. What he's not saying is he has to urinate. His bladder yeah. is filling with liquid to the point where he need, his body needs to release it, and he's oh, not totally. going to do that just sitting next to Stuart in his living room, or is no. he? I mean, maybe. You know, what was that website idea you had? Uh, I kind of want to save it till Dan comes back, but I guess I'll talk about it. No. So my idea was we all love parkour, right? I do, certainly. It's a way to get through urban environments without just walking around. Uh But it's been so long that we've had parkour, and it's time for a new development. What about a new way to get around or through the bodies of monsters? I call it Zarkor. Okay. It's a way to, like, travel up and down a monster in just imaginative ways, uh-huh. using like natural handholds and not oh, just yeah. walking around. So it's, anyway, it's kind of like Shadow of the Colossus, basically. Uh, yeah, I guess that's the way to put it. So I wanted to do a website called Zarkor.org. This uh-huh. is a nonprofit that shows people and helps connect people who have an interest. Shows people how to climb around monsters and connects people who have a shared interest in climbing around monsters. And there's a dating aspect of it too, yeah. because it's hard to find someone who's also interested in climbing around monsters to share a, a life with. Or even just to have some fun with. So anyway, that's Zarkor.org, a nonprofit uh, about monster-based parkour and perhaps romantic opportunities. How are you, how are you gonna from. How are you gonna monetize this, Elliot? Is it gonna be like a subscription-based service, or is it mainly going to? Uh, is there gonna be like a like a shop element where you sell like branded merchandise? Now again, it is a nonprofit, so everything we make gets po- po- poured right back into mapping monsters and I- coming up with new ways to get around them and climb up or through them or uh, over them. But we would make money. We would sell branded merchandise, and we'd also have like a donor page. We'll of course be reaching out to corporate sponsors and grants from uh, places like uh, the Ford Foundation uh-huh. to make sure that we can get that money together. Because there's a whole world of monsters that need climbing on out there. And uh-huh. there's a whole world of lonely people who like climbing on monsters mm-hmm. who need to be connected. Yeah, connected whether that's yeah. for a casual encounter or mm-hmm. something a little more, more formal. Mm-hmm. There's no strings attached when you're climbing a monster. Unless you have a string attached to, be... to the monster while you're climbing. I mean, I wouldn't call that Zarkor, though. That's more kind of old-fashioned monster climbing. Oh, okay. Zarkor is it's all handholds or footholds. Mm-hmm. You're not attached to anything. And uh-huh. you're looking for what is the most interesting route around or through uh-huh. this monster. Yep, and and your friends can stand and TikTok you while you're doing it. Oh, for sure. We actually we have another app that you shoot videos with called Zigzag, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. it's like it's for monster climbing, but it's these little videos that you make. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm back, so let's move on. Hey, hey, uh, we're doing a hey. live show in Toronto uh-huh. on April 18th. 
Wow. Part of the What the Film Festival. Uh And Um, we're going to be putting up a ticket link on our website, flophousepodcast.com slash events. Right, Dan? We will. Yes, I will get on that the moment I remember to do so. And a little closer to the... uh, Hopefully very soon. (laughs) A little closer to the the actual event, we will announce the movie that we are going to be reviewing for that show, either... Either on Twitter, well, probably on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, you know, something like that. Yeah, and, and on this and <clears throat> on this very show, likely. Oh, most likely. Uh, I'd also like to uh, take a moment and plug a friend's business. Uh, this Toronto show uh, was helped in part by my friend's travel agency. It's a small travel agency called Huckleberry Travel. Uh, they've been friends of the show for a while, and they've certainly helped with uh, my and Dan's travel. Um, yeah, we went to an we went on an Alaska cruise together, Stuart and I, and some others. And and they did such a uh, hands on uh, travel agent job. They actually came along on the cruise with us. <laughs> uh, now they won't do that. I think for you, the uh, listener, maybe. I don't know. Maybe if maybe. your trip's super badass. Uh, so yeah, check out huckleberrytravel.com. Once uh, a friend, a friend of mine, and I went on a trip on a log raft down the Mississippi River, and they mm. really helped us with it. Huckleberry yep. Travel. Uh huh. Uh, and of course, we're gonna try and do. We hope to do a ton more uh, live shows this coming year. Where we're, we're I mean, not talks. a ton. Well, no, not a ton. But we're no two thousand pounds worth of live shows. <laughs> we're working uh, with our booking agent to arrange a lot more shows. So we may be coming near you. Who knows? But I would also I would also say if you are manage or own a venue and you'd be interested <laughs> interested in us coming by. Why, why not reach out to us? Yeah. Either through our website or on Twitter uh, or through our Facebook page and let us know if you think you would have interest in having the Flophouse come to your venue. We'd love to get a sense of what's out there. But where we'll be for sure is mm-hmm. in Toronto, April 18th at the What the Film Fest. Yeah, no no Texas Chainsaw Maskers, please. Don't invite us to do a show and then murder us. Oh, man. Or invite us to do a show and it turns out it's like a weird, gross town that has a roller coaster that strips the flesh off of people's bones. We do oh, not that actually, need that. Oh, that actually sounds now, pretty good. Stuart, no. <laughs> was Leatherface inviting that van of, of kids to do a show? Was that what was happening in Yeah, Texas yeah, yeah. That's, well, I mean, his, his brother is the one who kind of invites okay. him when he gets in the back of the thing and starts acting all mm-hmm. uh, bonkers. Yeah. The hitchhiker, eventually named Chop Top. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, uh, now, what, uh, actually, uh, I, I'm sure. I guess you guys don't realize that that movie was the first South by Southwest. Okay, that anyway. was the first South by Southwest festival. Was a van full of kids getting killed by Leatherface? No, oh, wow. Uh, well, not all the kids got killed. One got away. That's true. One got uh-huh. away, and she was like, "I went to this amazing festival," and that's just word uh-huh. of mouth. That's Yolo, <laughs> unless I mean, still better than the Fire Festival. Weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, unless there are any more objections from the floor. I'm going to move on to letters. Oh, letter bag. Letters from listeners. Listeners like you. Uh, this first letter is from Brendan, last name withheld, mm-hmm. who says, Good afternoon, flopsters. I recently attended the Judge John oh, Hodgman. It is, it is the afternoon. How did he know? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who's his source? He <laughs> um, could be outside the apartment right now. Yeah, he's standing over Dan's shoulder, threatening to chop off his head if he stops podcasting, the way Robert <laughs> Howard claimed Conan would do. <laughs> okay. Uh, this Wait, if Robert, so Conan oh was a big was a big podcast fan? Yeah, 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 because Robert Howard did a podcast with his buddy H.P. Lovecraft. They would Skype. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, I was taking that moment to put some chapstick on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, Dan, this we is don't need out. to know these things. Dan, we don't. We didn't need to know about the peeing. We didn't need to know about the chapstick. Remember the time you opened a package during the episode? That was your life. That was content for the yeah, episode. It's, it's all hot content. People were amused that there was a water pick inside. I, I, I saying, firmly believe that. I'm just saying that you need to have a division between your personal life and your professional life, okay. or else you're not going to know who you are. Are you the Dan character, or are you Dan the man? Are you Dan in real life, that's, or, you, uh-huh. or do you not have a pillow made out of pancakes? That's yeah. somewhat true. That is true. Okay. Well, anyway, Brandon writes, I recently attended the Judge John Hodgman live show at the Murmur Theater in Brooklyn. At the beginning of the show... Jesse was warming up the crowd, and in an apparent attempt to fire up the audience, he mentioned there was a special guest in the crowd, our own Dan McCoy. What followed was complete silence. Oh man, yeah. Well, <laughs> now, that's better than booze. Now I gotta, I got I gotta take issue with this. I, there was, I would call it a smattering of applause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like, uh, it was like when we, uh, when we went to that uh, stuff you should know at the Bell House. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to sneak out of there, and then Chuck, uh, Chuck was like, "Yeah, and if you come by after, Stewart and Dan of the Flophouse will be around." And I'm like, "God damn it, no <laughs> one clapped." Yeah, no, I there 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 was some uh, there were a few uh, people who recognized uh, the Flophouse and were cheering. Uh, it was not like, however. Uh, Hodgman's uh, book reading at Books Are Magic, where he also did the same thing, saying Dan McCoy of Flophouse is in the crowd. And there I would say uh, the be- the response uh, could be best described as baffled. But uh, yeah. moving on. Well, I mean, I went to I went to a uh, John Hodgman uh, book reading event, and he made sure to point out that Corey Doctorow was in the crowd. My name went unmentioned. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, th- was that the book event that I showed up at and then left and then before left it started? Before. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like. The, I didn't like the energy in the room. There were there were a bunch of dogs there, and I will tell wow, you, dude. No, actual literal dogs. Oh, okay. And uh, Audrey was was <laughs> visibly more interested in the dogs than anything uh-huh, else that was going yeah. on. And John invited her to go to the back room where the dogs were hanging. Wow. Out. Anyway, uh, so move. Uh, continuing with the letter. This was a bizarre experience. I wanted to yell out, but I didn't. I think I was a little afraid of being berated by John Hodgman for yelling during his show. It wasn't really during his show. Uh, But anyway, it's been bothering me all week, so I wanted to write in to tell you I love your show and you deserve a better welcome. Rao, rao. My question, is there anything significant that you remember from one of your own live shows that either didn't make it into the official (laughs) recording or that just doesn't translate to the podcast medium, Brendan, last name withheld? Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, mine was super recent when uh, I managed to bring Dan to tears with my PowerPoint presentation. Mm. Uh, that was that was a really special moment because yes. Dan couldn't really start the podcast. <laughs> no, Stuart oh, yeah. did a new presentation in Boston that was maybe the most I've ever laughed. <laughs> it was it was very magical. That was yeah. I we, I kind of wish we had stopped the show right there and just told the audience to leave because that would have that was the highlight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I was running around ripping people's eyes out of their heads because I didn't want them to have to look at anything else afterwards. But <laughs> I would not. The cops got mad at me. Uh, there's nothing that's coming. I know that there's good stuff that happens beforehand that uh, people don't get to hear. Uh, the only thing that's coming to mind is like visual stuff. Like often when Elliot is singing his songs, that is the cue for Stuart or I or both of us to leave the stage and go get or- beers. Or I've Check seen you lie down on the stage as <laughs> yeah. if I've murdered you with my music. Yeah, Dan climbed under the uh, climbed under the table once. Yeah, a lot of visual humor. 
Yeah, I, so, but it's not like a, it's not like an Iron Maiden concert where we're coming out in different costumes, or there's like a big yeah. like Eddie that comes out and we Why? have to fight him off. Well, there's we that, that there was that one time where I uh, uh, the stage had a giant Eddie hand, and I climbed up, and the hand like lifted me up into the sky, and people were losing <laughs> their minds. I mean, yeah, that was that of... when we when we when we were performing in Rio before two hundred thousand people. Yeah. Speaking of costumes, I mean, not to suggest that Stuart's clothes are are a costume, but people are missing the it's amazing. Shirts and cardigans that Stuart often wears. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to. Dan Elliott uh, dressed so nice. I have to. I have to bring my own flavor. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess I mean the thing that mostly people miss is they don't get to see our presentations. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, uh, they should just start coming to shows. You know, and and capture the magic. Should we do more that's special for the shows? Perhaps even have an animal on stage with us. Hmm. Perhaps some kind of. Dare I say, house alligator? Mm, a new a new character. I think we could do it. Uh, we shouldn't bring a cat due to allergies. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. fact that I think a cat would not like it. And no. There'd be pee. Probably. Even Archie, perhaps the most laid-back cat I've ever encountered, uh-huh. would probably panic in a audience full of people. Yeah. yeah. Dan, that sounds like a Disney movie from the 60s, Archie the laid-back cat. Uh-huh. I, you know, I would love it. Let's let's make it. Let's go back in time. Let's make it. Uh, this next letter is from Rusty Lasting Withheld. Uh-huh. Not not Rusty. my best friend from growing up. Uh-huh. Rusty um, Shackelford, uh, the the pseudonym from King of the Hill. Okay. Uh, Rusty writes Flophouse Crew. I recently, I relatively recently found your podcast back in July and have been voracious, voraciously consuming your content. Uh-huh. And I just wanted you guys to know I regard each of you as avatars of my own psyche in a way. Oh, Elliot, interesting. Elliot is the superego with his hyper cerebral and historical film appreciation. Stuart is the id, as he shares my love of Brian Yuzna and other goopy, gory, and insane horror cinema. And Dan, the superego, who acts as a middle ground, being both a huge pervert pervert and an intellectual in his own right, who maintains order in the flophouse. I don't mean to split too many hairs, but that's two superegos. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. One of us has to be the ego, and the other one the superego. You know what, Dan? I'll take ego. That's fine. I'll be a living planet with a beard made out of moss. Oh, man. Okay. Uh yeah, I don't know which one. I'm uh I'm reading it here. I don't know which one he meant for which person. Uh what maybe one of them he meant is like a really good ego. Yeah. <laughs> uh now the sweet sweet question. What Dungeons and Dragons class and alignment do you feel best represent you? I would postulate Dan is the pensive half-elf ranger who wears the scars of his past proudly and has a badass cat companion. Mm-hmm. Stuart is yep. the hale and hearty dwarven cleric worshiping some kind of dwarven party god. Sure, yeah. I know there's one. It's in the 3.5 edition book Races of Stone, but I got rid of that book because I thought it was mostly useless to me. Uh, that's a side. I mean, I side feel piece like most books are basically useless. What? <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, yeah, of now, course. Now there's movies and books on tape. Okay, Elliot, of course, is a half as a halfling bard because he is small, cunning, and I picture halflings as eating tons of chicken. You I'm gotta bit, believe it. I'm a bit. I, I think I think you can base that on the scene in Masters of the Universe, the movie, where there's that like he has that like dwarf companion he man does, and that guy loves the chicken that they find. Yeah, I'm a bit fuzzy on alignments, or I'm too lazy to superimpose my ideas. Pick one. I don't care. 
Keep on shining, you crazy diamonds. Rusty last name withheld. Oh uh, yeah, obviously I'm I'm lawful good. You know I love playing by the rules, <laughs> uh, just like being cool and nice, but within the rules. Uh, no, Dan's Stuart. neutral evil. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> yep, at least, and I'm probably a neutral milk hotel. Oh wow! Because like I don't, I'm not necessarily good or evil. I'm uh-huh. just a normal person. But also, yeah. I've got a lot of calcium and protein, mm-hmm. and also, uh, you know, I let people stay at my house sometimes. Yeah, oh. and you, you have the prestige class king of carrot flowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's weird that the neutral milk hotels get all the attention. Like, what about the good milk hotels out there? Like, if you're it's looking on because... Yelp, you want a good milk hotel. Yeah, just yeah, like the Tommy in best... the movie Zarkor, you know. Yeah. The best milk hotel doesn't get a lot of press, but the best exotic marigold hotel yeah. apparently gets the most press of all the exotic marigold hotels. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, that's letters, guys. <laughs> that's the letters. <laughs> I suddenly got really worn out, but we got one more segment. Oh, and wait, that... hold on. Whoa, Do you what? hear that? Why, it it sounds like Dan's got a problem with energy. Time for a song, a surprise song to get him all lifted up. Let's lift Dan's spirits with a surprise song, cause nothing makes energy like the magic of music. Hey everybody, all across the world, let's dance in our seats and dance on our feet, cause we gotta show Dan there's a reason to live. Dan, put down all those things that make you sad, cause it's time to be happy with music. Dan's favorite music is Talking Heads, which sounds just like this. This is what an average Talking Heads sound okay, sounds like. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's me, David Byrne, and I'm talking oh, yeah. to Dan through the power of music. Dan, 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 are you feeling the power, feeling the magic, uh-huh. feeling the notes and feeling the lyrics? Do you have the energy of the old spirits? In your body right now, that's me, David Byrne, saying, well, Dan, do ya, do ya, do ya, yes or no? Can you sleep on it? (laughs) Baby, baby, can you sleep on it? That's right, it's me, Meatloaf, another guy who is singing to Dan. I'm also a popular foodstuff, but don't eat me, because that would be the end of my time as a music superstar. Hey, David Byrne, does it ever feel good to not be named after a food? No meatloaf. This is me, David Bernown, saying I've always envied that you are also a food. So, Dan, I think it's clear that it's time for us to continue. Newly revitalized, newly re-energized, newly reaching up to the skies for the last segment of the Flophouse with Dan and Stuart and Elliot. All right. David Byrne may not be a foodstuff, but he is something that can happen to foodstuffs. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> very true. Get it? Yeah, I do. Um, so. Stuart, this is David Byrne <laughs> again, and you've given me a new lease on life. I finally know what it's like to be happy, Dan. Take that as an inspiration. Let's go into this recommendation with maximum energy. Uh, okay, so I'll go first. Um, I'm, I'm going to recommend uh, two movies at once because I feel like they are uh, pretty linked, actually, uh, in in style. They're, they're Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two. No, they're not. They're not actually related in any other way that than that I saw them uh, very close to one another. But they reminded me of one another. I watched a movie called VHS mm-hmm. and I watched Greener Grass, and both of them are kind of. 
they're movies that have a narrative but also feel very much like uh, sketch comedy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, VHS is a movie that is uh, kind of found footagey. It's about a kid who gets a, a camcorder and he records uh, snippets of his own life uh, while you see in the background his uh, parents' marriage is dissolving, but it also then he uses the camcorder to record a bunch of snippets of late night TV. And this uh, all occurs, it's a, it's a period piece, it occurs in the 80s. And I found it very, it spoke to me because I was that kid. I uh, saved up a bunch of money from a paper route and I bought a camcorder uh, and filmed a bunch of stuff. And I also, of course, snuck out and stayed up late and watched uh, late night television. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in the movie. I get it, dude. You're a bad boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the, the late night TV stuff's all very funny. It's got people like, Tom Lennon in it, uh, 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 Tim Robbins mm-hmm. shows up. It's funny stuff, but that like there's actually kind of moving stuff in the uh, framing uh, stuff, and I won't I won't kind of get into that further. But also, Greener Grass I would describe as kind of if Wet Hot American Summer was also Blue Velvet. Uh, it's a lot of like very. The comedy of absurdity, the comedy of people acting very awkward and strange with a lot of commitment. Uh, it, it is set in suburbia, but it's not kind of the tired, dark side of suburbia thing so much as it is about a woman whose life is deteriorating because she is so polite and passive and and like feels the need to be polite to the degree that it screws her over in a number of ways. And both of these movies... Uh, aside from being kind of strange, take an interesting sort of tonal turn that I won't get into. But uh, I liked them both. Stuart. It's funny that you should recommend Greener Grass because I'm going to recommend a movie that also has a color in the title. Mm. Oh. I'm going to recommend uh, the movie Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage, directed by Richard Stanley. It is a horror movie uh, based on a short story by H.P. Lovecraft. And uh, it is, uh, yeah, it's like silly and funny. Uh, and the it's filled with special effects and music and <laughs> acting. Uh, okay, so it's a movie. So it's established <laughs> the minimum of, that it takes to be a movie. And Nicolas Cage gives this performance that's like, almost so crazy like it's crazy enough that it because everything else around him is so normal that it it's kind of like al pacino in the irishman where it takes me out of the movie and at no point am i not thinking oh yeah that's uh that's nicholas cage or that's al pacino but at the same time there's something so like charming about how over the top and silly the performance is that i don't think i'd I don't think I'd change it for anything in the world. Yeah. Uh, let's be clear, though, Stuart. Uh, when you say everything else is normal, you mean that everyone else in the movie is acting in a naturalistic style, unlike Nicolas Cage. The yeah. movie is bonkers crazy. Yeah. The stuff that happens it's bonkers there. crazy, but it's also like, I don't know, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's pretty straightforward. It all, <laughs> it all makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. I saw it at the same uh, time as Stuart, and I, I would have recommended it if I hadn't been pretty sure that Stuart was going to Yeah, it's because it's, I don't know, it's like, it's so silly and weird, and and it still manages to be pretty scary, and it does some stuff that 
I don't feel like I've really seen before. And it plays with like the, I don't know. It, it does stuff uh, that I, I wish I saw more in uh, Lovecraft uh, interpretations. Yeah, I think it finds interesting ways to take the cosmic horror, like unexplainable, undescribable stuff, uh-huh. and and show it as best you can. Yeah. And then we got to watch a Q&A, a filmed Q&A afterwards, where Nicolas Cage uh, was dressed like a crazy biker man, and Richard Stanley just yeah. mumbled through every single question. It's, <laughs> it's so great. Nicolas Cage. Was Richard Stanley... Was Richard Stanley wearing his like wizard's hat or like warlock's hat? He didn't he have he's the used to hat wear on. He yeah. had his hair that makes it look like he's wearing a wig that no one would ever choose as a wig. <laughs> mm, and no one would ever choose it as a wig. Yeah, he's so funny, man. Nicholas Cage's jacket, though, uh, I described it as um, he looked like a wrestler who's also a rockabilly guitarist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, okay, well, I'm also recommending a movie in theaters in 1952. It's called Sudden Fear, and it stars Joan Crawford and Jack Palance. Uh, Joan Crawford is a successful, wealthy Broadway playwright who gets into a romance with a young actor played by Jack Palance. And, spo- spoiler, he's there's something sinister going on, because it's Jack Palance. You can tell almost from the minute he walks on screen. Uh, Gloria Graham is in it, too, playing the kind of character Gloria Graham plays, a kind of like a sneaky, conniving uh, lady. And it is this kind of interesting combination of a film noir and a woman's melodrama. There's a lot of, like, Joan Crawford being in the throes of love and then falling from those heights into kind of passionate sadness and tears. But there are also some genuinely, like, very tense and very creepy noirish scenes and uh there's a moment involving a wind-up metal dog that i didn't expect to see on screen but i found very uh very eerie and strange but anyway it's called sudden fear uh and it's from 1952 and it's available on the canopy app if you can get that through your local library and i thought it was it was one of these movies where i was like how have i never heard of or seen anything about this movie before because i found it super entertaining and, and really well made uh, and everyone in it is great. So that's Sudden Fear starring Joan Crawford. Excellent, guys. Love Excellent. It. Did a great job. Uh-huh. Stuart, I wanna, you did a I great job. I want to know more about this wind up, wound up metal dog, you know? I mean, I don't want to uh, build it up too much, but I did think that might pique your interest, Stuart, that there's, uh, for some reason, there's a scene where two characters decide to start playing with this wind up metal dog. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is this the moment they started to do this? Why? But, when you just said peak like that, you held up a VHS copy of Dante's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> Al- I'm really into puns these days. <laughs> Inexplicable, baffling ones. Elliot, I wanted to say also, you did a great job. I was, I, I told Stuart, and then Stuart like sort of cut me off in the middle with his dog talk. Uh-huh. I just didn't want you to feel left out. Oh, okay, thanks. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I want oh wow, Elliot's still not around. very good at taking a compliment. <laughs> no, no, it's just he still yeah, got his I, armor up, huh? I just didn't want you to feel left out. That's all. Hey, power those no, no. shields down there, uh, Vice <laughs> yeah. Admiral Thrawn or whatever. <laughs> I know he's a Grand Admiral. You know. Uh, hey, <laughs> no, I'm glad you corrected yourself, Stuart, because the listeners were pissed. I could feel it. Yeah. It was like a great disturbance in the force, <laughs> as if one of us had said something slightly wrong. Uh, <laughs> Elliot, you talk quickly. Do you want to give the usual spiel about uh, Max Fun and all that? 
And I'm also Jewish, so it's okay for me to give a spiel, whereas if one of you guys did it, it might be a little, I don't know, kind of like appropriating another culture. Uh, hey, everybody. We're a member of the Max Fun, Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and there's a lot of great shows in the Maximum Fun Network. I would recommend you don't just stop with us. You go on and listen to one of the other ones. There's a lot of great ones about movies. There's a lot of great interview podcasts. There's a lot of great ones about TV. There's one about work processes. Come on. Just try some other uh, Maximum Fun podcasts. There's advice shows. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. There's great podcasts on there. Go to MaximumFun.org to look at them. Uh, also, if you like this podcast, hey, why not say something nice about us on iTunes? Review us there. Review us anywhere you see podcast reviews. Tell people about us. Tweet about us. Instagram about us. Send letters to your grandma about us. Write uh-huh. a postcard so the mailman can see it because you know they read those. Hey, postcards. if you're in the media, you know, uh, say something about us on a, on a bigger platform. We've been around for 12 years now, so it's hard to get uh, people excited about publicity. But yeah, if, you well, heard all those wanna... great. You heard all those fucking great drops Dan was doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't wait to talk about us when one of us dies or all of us in some kind of freak accident. Mm-hmm. Talk about us now while we're still alive. You know. I and mean, also... it's at least going to look like an accident. Um, and also, <laughs> uh, you mentioned the you mentioned the network, and we also mentioned that the uh, episode today, the movie was chosen by a contest winner. Uh, who designed merch, and that merch is available for purchase at uh, at MaximumFun.org, right? Yes, and if unless uh, something drastic happens that forces us to change our plans, we will be doing the next contest winner next episode. Uh, so look forward to that. And then after that, we'll go back to the big-budget Hollywood spectaculars that you're used to. But hey... It's fun to do these lesser-known movies, too. So that's The Flophouse on Maximum Fun. Our editor is Jordan Cowling. And for The Flophouse, you are—what was your name again? Dan McCoy. And the other guy, what—wait, who who are you? I'm Stuart Wellington. And who am I? You're Elliot Kalin. Oh, that's right. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, let's do this thing. Okay. And Jordan, I know that was not as funny a usual pre-start as we usually have. Uh, I apologize. Maybe she could, uh, I don't know, like add some sound effects under it or something. Yeah, some boings or yeah. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.